Hi and welcome to the Mind Coaching Podcast. You can find more episodes on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Just search for Mind Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Frank Nielsen, a Norwegian success mindset coach. Who alongside this podcast, help business owners and sports people develop the mental skills they need to excel in stressful situations, achieve consistent success, and attain peak performance. Since I started making podcasts one year ago, I have the honor of interviewing some incredible people that you can check out after this episode. One of the most uh, popular uh, professors these days, Dr. Jordan V. Peterson, has been a guest three times. Uh, Oxford professor Russell Foster, that is a professor in circadian neuroscience. Professor Sarah Lazar, she's an associate researcher in psychiatry and is talking about meditation. Professor Michael Hollick, he's a professor of medicine at the Boston University Medical Center and editor-in-chief of the journal Clinical Laboratory. Professor John Rayty, associate clinical professor of psychiatry at Harvard Medical School and an internationally recognized expert in neuropsychiatry best-selling author. Chris Wass, former lead hostage negotiator for the FBI, and many, many, many more. In this episode, I talked to Octavia H. Sart one of the authors behind a newly published study about perceived physical activity and mortality. The new study from Stanford shows that people that had negative thoughts about their own physical activity had 71% greater risk of dying earlier. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> we talk about you are what you think you are, perception of stress, perceived physical activity and mortality, how do social comparison public health guidelines shape people's physical activity? How variable fitness trackers can shape users' mindset and lots more. I really enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for listening and uh, enjoy this episode. Today I want to welcome Octavia Hedvig-Swart to the show. Is that correct, uh, Octavia? Is that a correct uh, announcement of your uh, name? Sort? It yeah, was a little, bit, uh, a little hard to say. Uh, well, in German, yeah. uh, it's Sart. Sart? But, but yeah, yeah. Ah, okay. Uh, the reason I wanted to talk to you, Octavia, is that uh, you're a doctoral student in organizational behavior at Stanford. Uh, and uh, I became aware of uh, one of your studies. Uh, and I wanted to uh, invite you to show to talk about that study because uh, it has something to say about the mental perception and our health. So, uh, can you talk about that study and how it, this uh, study became uh, a reality? Sure. So, this research study shows that people who think that they are less active than other people their age actually die earlier than do people who think that they are more active than their peers. And that is independently how, of how active they actually are. So, in other words, the research suggests that our mindsets about our physical activity appear to play an important role in linking our activity with our health outcomes. And I think that is, sounds pretty scary at first. <laughs> I just have to ask you, in this study, does this mean if you are exercising, for example, three hours each week and you have two different persons and each of them are having the same time and the same kind of training, but... The one person is thinking about is ah oh, I'm in bad shape and I can't I hate training and the other one is thinking ah this is a great exercise and I'm in great shape is that the difference in perspective? Uh, yeah, that is exactly right. So in our analyses, we find that 
people who have a similar level of physical activity, but some of them think that they're very active and some of them think that they're very inactive, then those who have those negative perceptions are more likely to have bad health outcomes and uh, to actually die earlier than others. So we see these differences in health outcomes by our mindsets, basically. Uh, do we see what uh, actually happens uh, physically with uh, the body? Yeah, or is that not a part of the study? I'm just curious. Yeah, good question. So in this study, we actually look at uh, nationally representative data from more than 60,000 US adults. And they basically answered a really long survey uh, several years ago. And they answered questions about their physical activity level and health and about their perceptions about their physical activity. And then we have a follow-up um, data set to that where we can determine if these people are still alive. And so our analyses find correlations between these physical activity perceptions and our mortality outcomes. Um, but we cannot test exactly you know, if the perceptions are causally related to the mortality outcomes. And also we can't test what the physiological processes are. Uh, so it's not part of this study, but there are other studies that have been done previously that could suggest a certain mechanisms that might be at work. So one of these mechanisms is uh, that, you know, simply if you feel like you're less active than others, this might discourage you from trying to exercise in the future. There's actually research showing that when we perceive ourselves as unfit compared to others, we're less likely to start working out more. So this kind of behavior um, behavior change is one of the mechanisms that could be going on. Another one is that if we think that we are too inactive, uh, we might get really stressed out or anxious or depressed. And we know that all of these kinds of negative affect uh, are related to bad health outcomes. Mm. And then finally, we think it's possible that um, perceptions directly affect our physiology. Um, so, for example, we've seen in a lot of research over the past decades um, in medicine that um, there are placebo effects, right? So if we if we believe that a medication is going to help us, then it's much more likely to actually help us. And a similar thing could be going on with exercise. You know, if we think that we're getting good exercise, then we might actually physiologically benefit more from this exercise than if we have a, a negative mindset about it. Uh, it was a study a little while ago about uh, visualization. And uh, if I remember this correctly... It was proven that if you visualized it with a high enough state of mind, or that you that you get your feelings and you get into the state in the visualization, that it was proven that you got some benefit from visualization. So this again proves that our mindset has a great improvement and benefit and. Uh, it's a direct correlation between our mind and our body. <laughs> and this proves it as well. Yeah, that's right. There's a lot of research that has come out. I don't actually know the particular study that you're mm. referring to. Mm. But um, my advisor, Aliyah Crum at Stanford, has done a lot of work uh, showing the power of our mindsets in different domains. So, you know, another example is um, the domain of stress. So she has shown that if you believe that stress is really harmful to your health and it debilitates your performance and vitality, then stress actually is more harmful to you. And uh, the stress response physiologically is much less adaptive than if you have a positive mindset and think that stress can actually help you become stronger or uh, healthier or perform well. 
Ah, I heard about that uh, study. I didn't know that she was the was the one behind that study. If I be rem- remember that study correct, it uh, was proven that uh, it was a difference in uh, how the blood, uh, the cardiovascular cardiovascular system responded on the different uh, mindset. Is that correct? Re- do I remember it correctly? Yeah, I believe it's uh, changes in the cardiovascular system and hormonal changes yeah. as well. What uh, what uh, what else can you tell us about perception, Octavia? Is it something else that you have, uh, or is it some other thoughts you have after? study or i believe that you're doing some other research as well as into perception and, and health and i wanted to ask you about uh, uh, how can social comparison and public health guidelines guidelines shape people's physical activity and mindset right so i'm really interested in how people form these mindsets about their physical activity levels and other health behaviors and one of the sources of these perceptions um, is social comparison. So that's the study we just talked about earlier. But I think another really important source could be public health guidelines. So, you know, in the US, for example, there's a lot of public health campaigns that tell people exactly what kind of level of activities they should get to benefit their health. And actually, that um, recommended level of activity is pretty high. So 80% of Americans don't actually meet it. And so um, I think that the effect of these guidelines might just be to basically instill negative mindsets in a lot of people who don't meet them rather than being really motivating. So one of my other studies right now is looking at um, how public health guidelines affect people's mindsets and how we can design public health guidelines better uh, so that they don't only prescribe uh, greater physical activity and and behavior change, but also help people to adopt positive perceptions that are going to be beneficial. But for that to happen, do you think it's important to have accomplishment and the feeling of accomplishment in focus? Yeah, I think that might be um, really helpful. So I think one of the things that people can be more aware of that might be helpful is that even, you know, small everyday activities uh, should be counted as good exercise. So, for example, there is a study that Aliyah Krum also did uh, about 10 years ago where she shows that uh, hotel room attendants who move around every day a lot, you know, because they're cleaning rooms all day and it's a lot of good physical activity, but they don't actually perceive themselves as getting a lot of exercise. And like these people, I think uh, lots of people don't count um, things like walking to the store or biking to work or carrying around kids or cleaning their homes, all of these kinds of everyday activities, they don't count them as good exercise. And um, what the research shows, though, is that when we get more aware and more mindful of these everyday things um, that are a good workout, then we can actually get more physical benefits out of these activities. What do you find so interesting about perception? Uh, Of course, uh, you already talked about it, but... uh... What else do you think is important or interesting about perception? So I became interested in it actually based on my personal experience uh, moving from Europe to the US. Because previously when I lived back in London, um, I always felt really good about my activity level. But, you know, I didn't actually do an awful lot. I just biked to school every day. And then I came here to California where everyone is incredibly active and everyone you know, just walks around in workout clothes all day and <laughs> every street corner. And so suddenly compared to these people here, I felt really inactive and I actually felt it affecting my mental and physical health. So, you know, I got really stressed out about fitting in more exercise and I felt really unfit and unhealthy. And so I experienced firsthand that even, you know, even if you do the same kinds of behaviors as you've been doing before, 
perceptions can make a huge difference in people's well-being. And so that's why I'm really interested in doing research about this and eventually helping as many people as possible uh, adopt mindsets that are going to make them feel good and ultimately really benefit their health. I think uh, from my personal perspective, I think uh, that perception is extremely important because we, I work as a mental trainer and uh, if people come to me with uh, problems or obstacles, I usually use uh, the perception to change the perception because we can just, we, uh, if we have a problem, uh, it's a challenge we do not have a solution for. And uh, when you think about a problem, uh, like a like a obstacle that you do not do not have a solution for, then it, you have changed the perception from a problem to a challenge. Yeah, uh, uh, and I... and you change that perspective already. Then you uh, you you in some way lower your uh, stress hormones because if you have a problem, you get stressed because there's a problem. But when you see it as a challenge or an obstacle, you're uh, you're becoming more. Um, solution oriented and the stress hormones uh, is getting lowered i presume from my my experience at least so i I really like this perception thing i and uh, the reason i wanted to talk to you was that uh, i think that we need to learn more about how important the perception part is and how important it is to see that our mind uh, our mind and how we use our mind is uh, directly connected to how our physical health is are there anything else that you have seen in your studies or research that uh, have a direct correlation between how we use our mind and the body? There's a lot of research that uh, my colleagues are doing actually in my lab, uh, the Stanford Mind and Body Lab, that is really interesting and points to different kinds of connections between the mind and the body. So, you know, for example, in, in recent years, a lot of people have gotten uh, genetic tests, right? They are becoming more available. And so people can figure out um, if they're predisposed to having certain diseases or um, maybe, you know, becoming overweight in the future and that kind of thing. And so one of my colleagues, uh, Brad Turnwald, has found that the way in which people think about their genes uh, can actually be really important in their physiology. So, for example, if people believe that they have a gene to um, get really exhausted really quickly when they exercise rather than the gene that makes them really good at exercise, then they, they do get exhausted more quickly. <laughs> and, and if people think that they are more prone to, um, you know, being one of these people who never get satiated and have to eat a lot of food before uh, they feel full, uh, then they actually physiologically don't get full as quickly. So, you know, he was measuring um, physiological um, satiety hormones to find that out. So I think that's one really interesting area of research, um, how our mindsets can influence um, the way in which we respond to genetic information. And other studies in our lab include things like um, how you respond to medical treatments or how you respond to your diet um, and stress, as I was talking about. And in all of these cases, we find that our perceptions play a role in uh, determining how, how well we respond to all of these behaviors Ooh, so in some way we can see that uh, if we call it the placebo effect so we see that the kind of effect in different kind of areas then yeah well we we think that these effects are at least in part due to the placebo effect right and I, I think it's really interesting because i think many people know that the placebo effect exists in medicine and um that's the reason why all of the new 
drugs have to go through placebo randomized trials, right? Because we know that part of the effect of drugs is due to a placebo effect. But uh, most people don't realize that uh, placebo effects can also play a role just in our everyday lives if we are not taking drugs or, or, or other medical treatments, but just in terms of how we think about our daily lives um, and our health behaviors and so on. So, um, so yeah, we think that uh, the placebo effect shows that our expectations and beliefs and perceptions uh, all can directly affect our physiology. So we are what we think we are. At least in part, yes. <laughs> <laughs> if we believe that we are on a diet, I just have to ask. I do not uh, know if you have done if this, there are a study on this one. I'm just curious. So if you have a diet that is not that healthy, but you believe that the diet is pretty healthy and you believe that you have a great health, does this mean that if you have another person that uh, are on a strictly great diet but he believes that uh, he's have he's having a bad health and he has something wrong with his genes does this mean that uh, the person that uh, is not eating the healthy but believes that he's healthy will be more healthy yeah i think that's possible i, I don't think there's any research about that <laughs> I'm just but, curious. Um, I guess I, I, I would want to emphasize that the power of our beliefs and, you know, believing we're healthy or we're eating a healthy diet mm. only makes up part of our health, right? Mm, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend to anyone to stop <laughs> exercising. Of course. <laughs> sort of trick themselves into uh, believing that we're really healthy. But um, I, I do think that uh, in the domains of exercise and diet and many other domains, um, our beliefs play a big role. And so it could be that the person who has a healthy diet, but a negative mindset about it, doesn't benefit as much from that healthy diet than a person who has a positive mindset about it and, and believes they're really healthy. Wow. No, I, uh, so what do you recommend if you're, uh, uh, from your experience? If there is a person that has a bad mindset, as you said, when you uh, when you got to the U.S. and you got to California, everybody was uh, training, and you believe that uh, oh, I am not that fit. <laughs> so, how do you recommend that people change their mindset from not being good enough into becoming good enough? Because of the change in perception. I think it, it probably really depends on each person's circumstances. But one of the things um, we can do is just maybe stop holding ourselves to incredibly high standards. Um, so for example, with physical activity, a lot of people think that only really hard exercise that you get at the gym or if you run on the track or something like that counts as good activity that is good for your health. But if you, um, if, if you become more aware of, of easier kinds of exercise, like just, you know, walking around or taking the stairs and that kind of stuff, um, then, you, you become aware that you're actually more active than you think you were. Um, and so that's a good start in, in changing our mindsets. Um, another thing is that, that I personally found really helpful is just learning about the power of mindsets. You know, uh, when I came to Stanford, I took a health psychology class with Ilya Krum. And that's where I learned a lot about how our mindsets can actually affect our health and how um, I might... Um, deprive myself of, of some of the health benefits of my physical activity and my good diet if I think negatively about it. And so if, if you're aware of the power of your mindset, then that can be empowering um, to just make an effort to uh, be more generous with yourself and um, have a, you know, a, the, the best possible mindset that you can about your current behavior while also 
trying, of course, um, to adopt healthier behaviors at the same time. Mm. Uh, and that in some way uh, motivates you because uh, you see that uh, the negative part that if you do not, <laughs> if you do not have a positive mindset, you're going to become more sick. And if you are having a positive mindset, you're going to become more healthy. So then you're also motivated because uh, you can see the negative part or a consequence by not having a positive mindset. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Or something else I wanted to ask you about. Uh, what else uh, that you can remember uh, did you learn in that uh, in that in that year or in that study with her or in your research uh, that uh, also uh, is about the perception and the mindset? If there's something that uh, you believe that others can benefit from. Yeah, well, I think um, that there's been a lot of research in the past decade or so, and there's more research coming out every year showing that mindsets matter in so many different areas. So, um, for example, there's a study showing that if people believe that they're too overweight, um, then they actually have more negative health outcomes independently of how much they actually weigh. Uh, <laughs> okay. They're, they're right. Um, so we're seeing that kind of thing in the in, in overweight and stress in aging. So for example, older adults who have negative stereotypes about aging and who believe that aging is equal to decline, um, they, they do age uh, less well than those who have a positive mindset about it. So I think you know, all of this information and all of these studies are kind of a lot to keep in mind. Mm, yeah. but just um, they just they just sort of point to the importance of mindsets and perceptions in uh, in all the domains of life. And so I would sort of encourage people every time when they catch themselves having negative thoughts uh, to just think about if that's really necessary and if that's actually maybe unhelpful. Uh, if they can adopt a more positive mindset about it and, and just feel better. I do not know if that is Stanford has done this study, but um, I believe that uh, awareness, you have been talking about awareness now, and uh, mm-hmm. I believe that awareness is extremely important, but we know that uh, almost 40% of what we're doing is uh, on automatic and autopilot. So I believe that awareness is important to become aware of what we are doing automatic. Uh, and if I remember correctly, it was a study a while back that uh, proved that uh, our decisions are made before we are conscious about the decision. Have you heard about that study? Yeah, well, I've heard about research like that, showing that a lot of our behavior is automatic. That's right. And I think that's uh, the case with many of our mindsets, too. We're so used to having certain kinds of mindsets that we don't even become aware of them. Uh, so that's one of the difficulties, as I'm sure you know from your work, in changing perceptions and mindsets. So, you know, I, I don't um, know exactly uh, what the best strategies are to achieve a change of mindsets. But we've seen in, in a few studies that um, if you can if you can manage to switch a person's mindset around then it's not something that they have to put any effort in anymore after a while because it just sort of changes the way in which they think about themselves and their behavior every day. Um, and it just changes their outlook. And so then that becomes automatic uh, and and can just uh, help them without necessarily requiring any any effort, any conscious effort. I often uh, often call this a breakthrough experience because in the moment you are talking to a person and they become uh, consciously aware of some behavior they have done without thinking about it, you can see it in in their eyes that, oh, ah, that's the reason. (laughs) 
and then you can see that they are com- uh, getting this uh, this kind of uh, response to the, what they are actually they uh, acknowledged. Then I believe that you that you just uh, that you're just saying is that uh, when they uh, become conscious of them and when they see it themselves, they do be starting to do it automatically with a new behavior. If I if I understand you correctly, yeah, yeah, I, th- I think that's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're also doing some other investigation into variable fitness trackers and uh, the users' mindsets. Can you talk about that one? Yeah, that's right. So that is the follow-up study to the one that we talked about earlier, um, because we really want to figure out. Uh, what the um, physiological and psychological mechanisms are through which our perceptions can affect uh, the way in which we benefit from our physical activity. So we are now um, running a study with uh, physical activity trackers, um, and we're examining how the feedback that these activity trackers give people about their everyday step count, how that affects their mindsets, their motivation, their actual behavior, which we can track um, through that device, and um, and their physiology o- over a five-week period. So that is still ongoing. I don't have any results for it, but um, we're hoping that it can really help us pin down what the causal mechanisms are through which mindsets about exercise can affect our health. But what do you think is going to, I'm asking you, what you're thinking uh, is going to be the outcome of the study? Well, we're thinking that um, if if a physical activity tracker gives feedback such that people form a more positive mindset about their exercise and they become aware that they're actually getting quite a lot of activity every day. Um, In that case, they'll have more beneficial health outcomes, both physiologically, you know, things like, uh, like weight loss um, and psychologically. So they'll, they'll just feel better mentally. But if, if the feedback is such um, as it often is currently in physical activity trackers, where it basically just makes you aware of how inactive you are, then we think that you're going to have more negative health outcomes over that time period. There was something else that uh, I read from your resume, uh, Octavia. Uh, it, uh, I think it was something about, uh, something about uh, using physical activity in negotiations and something else in the organizations. Is that, do I remember something correctly now? <laughs> Yeah, that is also an ongoing study that I don't have results for yet. But um, in that study um, that I'm collaborating on with a few other researchers, um, we're looking at uh, if physical activity can increase your uh, work performance, in that case, uh, negotiations. No, so the, why why the negotiations, of- Octavia? <laughs> I'm curious, why did, why did you choose negotiations? It's... Um, I guess it's basically because one of uh, our collaborators, um, Maggie Neal, is really interested in negotiation. And it's an interesting outcome because um, it sort of uh, embodies all kinds of interactions that we have at work that include other people. Um, So, you know, things like work meetings um, or real negotiations over, over monetary outcomes or deals or that kind of thing. So that there's previous research by, um, by Marilee Opeso, who's the first author on that paper, um, that shows that if, you, um, if you're walking, if you're getting physical activity, then you become more creative at the same time than if you're sitting. And so that study showed that um, individual work can be improved activity. That builds up in interpersonal work uh, relationships, uh, such as when you negotiate. Interesting. Very, very interesting. Uh, I had uh, John Rate uh, 
on uh, earlier. He's um, the author that wrote the book Spark. Uh, mm-hmm. Have you heard about the book? I don't recall right now. No, uh, he uh, he's been doing some studies into uh, how childrens uh, perform in school if they're having uh, some uh, intensive exercise before uh, their exams. Oh, okay. And it was uh, highly. I, I don't remember how many, how much <laughs> at the moment, but uh, it was proven that uh, it was. Uh, and great increase in their performance when they're having some activity before. So it will be very interesting to hear uh, how the study is going into into uh, negotiations because it makes sense. We become more creative when we when we're exercising. Uh, are there something else, uh, Octavia, that uh, you want to share with us that I haven't asked about? Uh, no, I think uh, that was pretty comprehensive. <laughs> okay, superb. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time and. Uh, Sure, yeah, uh, my pleasure. And I hope that you're hearing from you again when uh, the, these uh, studies from uh, exercise and uh, and uh, negotiations are are finished so we can hear what we are going to do the next time we are going to negotiate for higher pay or something. Thank you so much, Octavia. All right, thank you. Jeg håper du vil kose deg like mye med dagens episode som det jeg gjorde. Og hvis du er opptatt av helse, du er opptatt av metale vinklinger fra mennesker som er ekstremt gode innenfor sine profesjoner, Sammenfaller det å høre en tidlig episode med, med tidligere Harvard-professor Jordan B. Peterson. Han snakker om en tal styrketrening og hvordan vi kan bruke vinkling. Er det opptatt av helse, så er det altså en episode som, så er det altså en episode som heter «Unngå hudkreft og andre sykdommer» med professor og forsker Johan Moan. I den episoden så snakker Johan om D-vitaminer og hvor viktig det er med D-vitamin, og når på døgnet du burde sole deg. Da går det enda lenger ned i... Hvis du går enda lenger ned i arkivet, så kommer du til en episode som heter Smartere med bevegelse og mindre karbohydrater med John Ratey. John Ratey, han er kåret at du sa hans beste lege siden 1997, og han er også bestselgende forfatter med boka Spark. Han forteller om, forutenom, at man burde gjøre noe med karbohydratene, så forteller han også om hvor viktig det er med aktivitet i forhold til prestasjoner. Og, siste jeg skal anbefale sammen med helsehøret, det er med en Harvard-professor som heter Sara Lazar. Den episoden heter Hvordan meditasjon kan endre hjernen din. Så hvis du ønsker deg mer å høre på, så har du noen fantastisk gode episoder foran deg. Og da ønsker jeg deg en utrolig fin dag videre. Ha det bra!